0: Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, the choir this morning have a song. We just want to give God all praise and thanks. We want to return on our gratitude to God for all that he's done. So we just ask that in this moment you join us as we lift up our voices and thanks and give thanks to God. Hallelujah. I know you know this song. It says, I'm grateful for all you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Thank you, Jesus.
1: celebrate the choir one more time for that beautiful rendition. The grace of the Lord will multiply to you in abundance in Jesus' name. Please, lighten up, smile, and turn to the person on your right. Give the person a firm handshake. You know, I'm standing under the authority of reverence, so you must do what I say. Shake the person. Don't act all serious now. Give the person a firm handshake and say, don't stop the praise. Don't stop the praise. I'm watching those of you who are not smiling. Then turn to the person on the left. Turn to the person on the left. Give the person a firm handshake, like a business-like handshake. Firm. Don't stop the praise. Don't stop the praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for this wonderful privilege to gather at your feet again. Father, we are assembled with our eyes firmly on you, and we ask, King of Glory, that in this moment, in this time, that you will move as you please, just as you have been moving from the start of this service, in the mighty name of Jesus, that You will do whatever it is that pleases you, Lord, just as you have been doing from the very start. And you will say whatever it is that you want to say, just as you have always done. Father, we are yielded. Our ears are open. Our hearts are responsive to receive that which you have for us this morning. That both me, the speaker, and the hearers will be abundantly blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm very terrible at titling sermons. So most times I just gloss over it so I don't have to title sermons because, one, I'm not a preacher, so why should I be cracking my head with titling sermons? But as I was looking at the theme, let everything praise the Lord, and it became clear to me again that When this month ends, like every other month ends, we move over to another theme, and sometimes we don't even remember the theme for the last month. Okay, let's put it to a test. Who remembers the theme for November? Don't answer that. Let's just move along. So, now, the point I'm trying to make is that yes, December will end, and we give God the glory. Yes, the year will end. But because our year is our year of covenant of peace, the year ends doesn't mean that God's covenant of peace will end in our lives. And at the same way, the month ends doesn't mean that the praise should stop. That is just for December. So we now start looking forward to the next December when we will now praise God again. Because the thing is that praise is an expression of our love. Praise is an expression of our devotion it communicates to God that we revere Him, that we reverence Him. It communicates to God that we are totally surrendered to Him. Because it stems from the condition of our hearts, from deep down inside. It, it, it's, when, when we praise, it's like for a moment we are just taking the focus off ourselves and then just placing the focus on God. In the moment when we are giving praise, it's not about us again. It's about the Father who is everything to us and who has done everything for us. It's us responding to his presence because God has drawn near to us in the person of Christ Jesus. And our natural response should be also to draw near to him. And so when we praise, we are acknowledging God's presence in us and all around us. And so since we know that God is always with us, since we know that God will never abandon us, then our response should continually be that of praise. And what it means is that the praise should go beyond the songs that we sing and the words that we say. It should become a lifestyle. It should be in such a way that everything we do is done in a consciousness of praising God. From the simplest mundane things as lacing our shoes or brushing our teeth, we should consciously channel our minds to such a way that everything that we are doing, we are constantly praising God. We are living a life of praise. And that's what I mean by when I say, don't stop the praise. If we are looking for a reason, if we keep looking for reasons not to praise, we will find plenty. But you and I know that we have more than enough reasons to give praise to God. Let's open our Bibles to... Psalm 148. I want to read verse 5. It says... Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Them includes you and I. He commanded and you and I came into existence. And no other reason for praising God trumps this reason, this simple fact that God declared, and you and I were created. God said it, and everything we knew, even the things that we run after, that God spoke a word, and they came into existence. Let that be the number one reason that we'll just be playing at the back of our minds, so that at all times, in all circumstances, in all situations, we do not stop the praise. And you see, the thing is that, what that means is, it, it takes us to a place where praise is not a byproduct of um, what God has done for us, where well, it's not a byproduct of a fruitful life in Christ. But praise becomes the vehicle that drives that fruitful life, becomes the thing that propels us and pushes you and I into that fruitfulness. I just want to give us three charges today with three simple illustrations. Now, each and every one of these examples spoke one particular thing to me at different times because I've had an interesting year. I can say that most of the projects, things that I called projects at the start of the year that I began to pursue and I spent resources, I spent time, I spent energy, I didn't achieve any of them. Has that changed God? Now, in fact, let me even tell you a funny one. It culminated with getting denied a visa by India. Yes, yes. In fact, when I even told Reverend, he said, India. (laughs) So I became more offended than disappointed. And as I was trying to process all of these things in my head, each and every one of these stories just kept popping into my mind. I don't know how the Holy Spirit just kept bringing each and every one of them. And bringing out important lessons that in that moment I do not I, I just ask myself what, what else is the option? Aside just giving thanks to God. What other option? What would be the option in this situation? I should go and kill myself, or I should get angry at everybody, or I should get angry at the counselor who doesn't even know me and probably will never see me again. No. So the first story I would like us to look at is in the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 45. Don't stop the praise. Hallelujah. Jeremiah, chapter 45, verse 1. It says, This is the message which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at Jeremiah's dictation in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. Now, what actually caught my attention in this story was that this particular incident was kind of like out of sequence with the preceding chapters. I was reading the entire book, and I got to this part. So I had to now flip back whether there was something I missed, and I didn't actually miss anything. Now, if you are conversant with this book, at chapter 44 was the time when uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed and they were taken to Egypt. Jeremiah and Baruch were taken to Egypt against their will. And then, at this point now, this point in the story, this place that we are reading, was something that happened many, many, many years prior to that time. So I got curious, why did the person who arranged this book decided to bring it at this point so first i looked at baruch and bible history has it that he was an educated man a learned man from of noble birth in judah so obviously he was not he was not a small person but he was jeremiah's penman in the sense that he was the one writing down. If you go through that book, you see a number of times when they said Jeremiah called Barak and dictated and told him, write this down, write this down. So he was basically the one taking down Jeremiah's prophecies. And in most cases, he had to deliver it to the king or to whomever he was asked to deliver it. So it shows that there was a strong bond between him and Jeremiah. There was a friendship there. And in, chapter, in verse 3 of this please. The Lord repeats what Baruch said. He said, you said, ah, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. Obviously, we know the story of Jeremiah and the, the trials and the tribulations that he had to endure because of the nature of the prophecies that he was bringing to the He was an unpopular prophet. So he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was starved, many things. And I kept and I and I and I'm thinking, what would happen to what would have happened to Baruch in those times? He was share in the punishment now, is it not him that I was writing it and delivering the message? So he had probably looked at his life, me, with all my education, me of noble birth, that should be aspiring for great things. This is not this is not what I bargained for. This is not the life I had envisioned. This is not how my life should have turned out. And he was angry with God. He said, the Lord has added sorrow to my grief and I have found no rest. That this business that God has called me to, this thing that God has called me to to do with Jeremiah, it has brought me nothing but sorrow. I could have done better. In fact, I'm looking at my mates, the people who went to school together. I see how they are all faring. I see how they are doing. I'm probably smarter than most of them. But the Lord said, to him, verse 4. He was repeating, he was, the girl was giving the message to Jeremiah. He said, thus you are to say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I am about to tear down. And what I have painted, I am about to uproot. That is the whole land. But you, are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them. Are you seeking great things for yourself? And I, had, and I started asking myself this question. Am I seeking great things for myself? And I ask you this morning to ask yourself that question: Are you seeking great things for yourself? You see, Barak was analyzing his life like most of us do. And there's there's nothing wrong with having great ambitions, there's nothing having wrong with having these dreams. But why? Why do you have these dreams? Why do you want to be great? Why do you want to do these things? Why do you want to be relevant? Why do you want to be prominent? Why do you want to be important? Why does it matter to you so much that people recognize you that you gain acclaim? A Bible commentator says that seeking recognition and claim and, and acclaim amongst men is like seeking the wrong thing in the wrong place. So there's no win-win. Seeking the wrong thing in the wrong place. Um, some of us might be having that kind of situation now. They are saying, let's praise the Lord. Every Sunday you've come, we'll raise songs, we'll raise songs. And you're just analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. Thinking that you could have done better. Thinking, is this, is this, is this it? But you see, you and I measure success based on the standards that the world has set. And that is how we define what success is. But what God was trying to let this man know here was that what you people call success is not what I call success. And he told him that, see this thing you are seeing, the palaces, the fine houses that everybody lives in, and you and Jeremiah are spending nights in dungeons. I would destroy it. The land. And that prophecy came to pass. And I reckon that was what he was remembering when he brought this place back in because they were shipped off to Egypt in the previous chapter. And then the next chapter, he recalls this, that God told him, because by that time, the second invasion had happened, and Nebuchadnezzar's general, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed, the Bible says he destroyed the palace, he destroyed the temple, he destroyed all the important buildings in Judah. Every building, everything that was significant, that was like a, an emblem of Judah's success, he brought it to the ground. Then the last place, he says, to, well, he says to him, I'm going to bring disaster on all flesh, this declares the Lord. But I will give you your life as a booty in all places, wherever you may go. The land was destroyed. In fact, after the invasion, they were staying with Gedalia, the governor that uh, Nebuchadnezzar appointed. Somebody still came and killed all the people in the house there. But nothing happened to Jeremiah and Baruch. And I'm sure this thing started playing on his mind. And he felt it was important that this story be told as well for you and I. So the question is, are you seeking great things for yourself? The Lord says, seek them not. If you must desire great things, it must be according to God's purpose. The Bible says that we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, which means each and every one of us has a unique calling. We have been created in a very unique and distinct way. We have been given different skill sets, natural aptitudes and talents, that all work together to enhance performance in various and different areas of our lives. So my path is not your path. We must all find our path and do away with this, looking at the standards of the world, looking at whatever. And the thing is that these days the church is not even helping. You hear so many preachers giving messages about every one of us must have our slice of the cake here on earth, that we are children of the Most High God. But it's not what the Bible says. Yes, many will make it. Many will be very successful. Many, but not all of us will. And the sooner we get that into our heads, the better for us. And then we begin to look for our place in God's plan. Discover God's will for our lives. In Ephesians 5, the Bible says, Not as unwise, understanding the will of the Lord. There's no blanket. The general will of the Lord, we know, is his word. But we need to read it. We need to study. So that you and I will pray and seek for ways that it applies to us so that I'm not measuring my race with another person's own. And then when we are asked to give God's praise, we are not counting what God has done for us as we stay on the path that he has laid for us. We are measuring what he has done for somebody else. And that's exactly what this man was doing in the story. And God asked him, do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. He said, I will take care of you. I will give you your life. You are now alive today. Do you know how many burials I attended this year? How many I did not go for? So if I start crying that they denied me visa, what am I going to tell my cousin who just got up one day? He said his head was spinning. They took him to hospital before I knew. They called me and told me he was dead. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Find out God's unique plan for you. You see, all those prominent people in Judah that Barak may have been comparing himself with, we are not reading about any of them. But centuries have passed. In fact, millennia, and we are reading about him, we know his name. And the impact that this message will have on our lives, cannot be measured. And the one that it has had on people before us, and the one it to have on other people. Now, that is what God defines as success. That is what God defines as greatness. And this can only be attained when we stay on the path that he has set before us, and that is faithfulness. God desires faithfulness from each and every one of us because that is his nature. He is a faithful God. And the moment we begin to pursue faithfulness and not success, we will become successful people. We will learn to appreciate, we will see, not just, we will see all of the wonderful things that God does for us on a daily basis. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Praise the Lord. So, stay the course. Find God's plan and purpose for your life. Walk in it. Don't compare yourself with, another, with other people and be measuring people who have gone ahead of us. people who have gotten to the apex of their careers, they did not get there in one day. And if you ask them, they have stories to tell. It's, it's a rough journey. And the thing is that God knows the end, so we must follow God who knows the end so that we'll play the end game with him. Baro could not have envisioned that you and I will be reading this, but it's happening. I'm sure even Jeremiah probably did not even know that you and I will be standing here reading this. So who is greater now? those who lived in those palaces that were burnt and destroyed, or the ones that we are reading about now, that their words are stirring up faith in our hearts. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. I like this story because it particularly emphasizes trust in God. So we know the rest of the story, but let me just read from verse 22. Excuse me. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrate tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods when they had struck them with many blows they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to guard them securely and he having received such a command threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks but about midnight Paul and Silas were praying singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaking and immediately all the doors were opened And everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Do you know what that tells me? You know, we have read this story, even me i have read this story many times. That last place finally clicked in my head that these men were not praising God so that God would get them out of that prison. They were not praising God so that God would get them out of a difficult situation. You and I must build up our trust to that level. We must trust God that whatever it is, whatever the circumstance, that there is a bigger picture that we cannot see. Trust him absolutely. Trust him resolutely. Because the prison doors opened. People who were seeking an exit, as God granted them the exit, the natural thing to do is not to use the exit. But they all sat there. They all sat there. They were not asking God, get us out of this. They were thanking God. And what it means is that they were just grateful for the privilege. For the privilege to be called God's disciple, For the privilege that they suffered just a little. You would call it insanity. That they suffered just a little because of Christ. For Christ's sake. That they, were, they trusted God. And they were following the call that he has placed on their, on their, or, or, uh, placed on their lives. They started by saying, Find out God's will. These men have found out God's will. And then they trusted. So the second thing is trust. They trusted in God that, yes, this is God's plan. This is all in God's grand scheme. This is all in God's grand design. That will be where we are now. So they just burst out in praise and singing. And and when the prison doors opened, they did not make a run for it. They did not start walking out. They just sat where they were. The prison guard that just he was like it, ah it's finished now. He wanted to follow on his sword. He said, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. And we know what happened. That singular act became a great testimony. Your trust in the Lord can become a great testimony for somebody by which somebody gets drawn closer to the Father. They did not make a run for it. So they were not praising God to get them out of the situation. So we need to change the whole dynamics of our praising God, we need to begin to change our whole mindset about living a life of praise because this is what it is to live a life of praise. This is what it is to not stop the praise. Even in prison, chained to the floor. Their spirits were not broken. They were just grateful to God. They were not trying to wind God to get them, oh God, to get them out of this situation. That wasn't the motive, as was evidenced by the fact that they did not make you run for it. And both prisoner, both prison guardu, his family became Christians because of some people's trust in God. So, how is your trust in God? How is your trust in God? Are you building on it, or is it just when it's good, it's good; when it's bad, we reconsider? How is your trust in God? Finally, the last illustration I want to use. Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. So I'll just read um, from verse 12. So they were giving a reports to the king. We are very familiar with the story. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O oh king, have disregarded you. You do not serve your gods or worship the good image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded, and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lara, the tigron, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, very well. But if you do not worship, you immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king. I love this reply. O king, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. But if you insist, it's just me that is adding that one. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, I want you to think about this. Picture it, paint a picture in your mind. I know all of us like watching movies here. Imagine the way they portray those palaces, those beautiful palaces where they watch all these epic movies, and you see the way the king is surrounded by so many people, and you see when they bring in people and the king is questioning them. Their countenance, their demeanour. Then just picture the boldness that these young men were exhibiting. And what it is is consistency independence. Consistency independence. We are familiar with chapter one when they said that they will not eat the food sacrificed to idols. The consequences there were not as grave as the consequences here, but they stood their ground there. That they know their God, they want to honor their God and they depend on their God. And now, fast forward, there's a different scenario. The consequence was death, death by hellfire. And yet they stood, this one, they looked the king straight, that we are not careful to answer you in this matter. We do not even need to give you an answer, but if you insist, this is our answer. Our God will deliver us. And even if he decides not to deliver us, which is his prerogative, by the way. Not in spoil. Into the fire we go. So I, I, I was just trying to imagine how the room may have been that time. I'm sure if you had dropped a pin that time, you would hear it. Because both the king and his palace officials and everybody, they would be stunned, they would be amazed. And that's the kind of courage you and I have been called to exhibit. By consistently depending on God, consistently depending on God, because he never fails people who consistently depend on him. He said, but the Lord is a God who goes before you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never fail you. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy 30, 1, eight. In fact, it was repeated twice there in verse 6. He said something similar like that. Do not not fear. Do not be dismayed. So you and I must be people who consistently depend on God. That is what it means to live a life of praise. That is what it means not to stop the praise. Staring death in the face, they consistently depended on God. And they made it known to everybody that God is their stay. God is their strong tower. God is where with, with God they stand. There are many variables in life. In life sorry, Too many outcomes. But the outcome is only known by God. And so if we consistently depend on the one who knows the outcome, trust that the outcome will be good so long as we stay on the path that he has laid before us. And so at the end of the year like this, when we are now taking stock and recounting, our minds will not shrink to focus on the Trivial things that have happened. Our mind do not focus on the big plans, all those goals that we write out at the start of the year. There's absolutely nothing wrong with writing out those goals. Don't get me wrong. But it will not just be about those. It will be about how my life has praised God, how my life as a person has glorified God. How it's not just in the song and in the clapping, but in my conduct every day. God's name is being praised in the decisions. I like the, the passage that I was read during the body ministration. It spoke about the condition of the heart. And she asked, how are you finishing your year and how are you entering the new year? What is the condition of your heart? And the same thing was re again in the drama again. What is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Because The condition of our heart stems from what we believe. And what we believe influences every other thing, the way we think, the way we act, and the things we see. They come from inside. When the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. Praise from the inside. And if the condition of our heart is not right, no praise is going to come from the inside. The kind of praise that gives glory to God, the kind of praise that is that is a beautiful thing, will not emerge from our heart. So, as the year comes to a close, as the year comes to a close, don't stop the praise. Tell your neighbor again, don't stop the praise. No matter what, no matter what has happened this year, no matter what you have gone through, because in the midst of all of that, God has shown you he is faithful. God has shown you he is kind. God has shown you he is loving. There are some of us here who have not fallen sick throughout this year. I had reason to go to national hospital many times this year. Not, for, not to, because I was sick or anything. To do tests for all of those things I told you I was pursuing. And each time I went there, I would see people queuing up in the line. I just want to pay for three thousand naira test. I'll see somebody paying hundred and fifty thousand naira for the same for test test too. As I was standing there paying one thousand naira for something, I'm seeing somebody making a phone call that they said is three hundred thousand for the for the for the surgery. And then there are people that they are just you just pass the word, you just see them you don't even know. Praise the Lord. Let's be on our feet this morning. Let's be on our feet this morning. And just give him praise. Just give him a praise that is from the inside. A praise that is from a heart that is grateful. Expressing gratitude for even the ones that you do not know about. And ask the Lord, in any way I have stopped the praise, in any way I have withheld the praise that is due your name, forgive me. I know I have, and I'm sure you have too at some point in time. Forgive us. And then resolve, resolve, make a, make a resolution. Now, it's not me that will make it for you. It's a decision that you make. Resolve that you will stay the course and follow God's path. Follow the path of faithfulness. Follow the path of righteousness. That you will seek to understand what the will of God is for you. For you. For you. And that you will follow it. That you will trust him. Trust him completely. And at every time, you'll be listening intently to what he has to say. Trust him on the path that he has set you on. That he has a bigger plan, a plan that will bring him praise, and that you will be that vessel that he will use to accomplish that plan that will bring him praise. The Bible says that the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous. He is always there with us. He's always there with us, that we will trust in him. Whatever the outcome, we will still trust Him. Even when the outcome is unknown to us, we will still trust him. Because it says, trust in the Lord and in all of your ways acknowledge him that the Lord will help us to trust in him. That the Lord will strengthen us in our inner man, that there will be no room for compromise in our lives. That we will consistently depend on him consistently depend on him. Consistently depend on him. Just like those Hebrew boys, God was their first option and their only option. I did not say last option. Only option. That as I walk through 2020, as this year ends and I march into the new year, that you, Lord, you alone, will be my first option and my only option in all things that I will consistently depend on you. Depend on you, divine. Because we know that without you, we can do nothing. That everything we will do, Father, that we will bring you praise, we will bring you praise. The Bible says that we have been called to show for the praise of him, who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, that everywhere we will bring him praise, that the praise will not cease in our lives. The praise will not stop. And that we will continue to see God's faithfulness as we pursue great things for the glory and glory of his name and his name alone. That we will humble ourselves at his feet and trust him all the way. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And maybe you are here, you have not even begun this journey. There's no connection. There's no relationship. At no point in time have you ever yielded your life to Christ. Said, Lord, I surrender. Take my heart. Take my life. Take all of me. Make me yours. And use me for your glory. I don't want to continue stumbling in the dark. I don't want to continue going through the motions. For the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. If you are here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ... If you are here and you've never... I'm not saying you've never answered an altar call. You've never genuinely, deep down in your spirit, you know that there is no connection. When there is true conversion, you will know. You will know. Something within you will just click. Something will just be different. And you are here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. Can you come and make peace with him? Can you come... And just kneel down here and I invite the pastor to come and pray with you. If you've never at any point in time made that decision to even get in line with him, let alone to begin to know his will for your life, would you come? Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless your holy name because you are good. We adore you, Lord, because you are faithful and worthy of all of the praises that we bring. We ask, O Lord God in heaven, that these words we have heard, that they will find a home in our hearts and find expression in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. That we will not just go and become forgetful hearers, but we will be doers. Because we know from your word that the blessing is in the doing. Grant us grace, O Lord, to follow through to the glory and praise of your holy name. And that this year, Lord, we'll end on a glorious note with us giving you praise in everything that we do. And marching into the new year, not stopping the praise for anything. With great expectations because of the eternal hope that we have in you through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray.